I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, after watching it win even more awards, this time from the Screen Actors Guild, I finally watched HBO's Big Little Lies. Better late than never, I guess. I'm Jeff Braun. The road to the Oscars now begins. I'll review Phantom Thread and we'll give our first impressions of the nominations. Jeff also went on a Netflix binge this week. And there are a couple of wondrous things on home video to tell you about. First, it's the news. From the couch. What is this? Murphy Brown. What? By Elaine Bennis? What? Elaine's writing a Murphy Brown? Why didn't she tell us? Elaine is writing a sitcom? (laughs) There are about to be real-life job openings for writers for Murphy Brown. The 90s sitcom is coming back. CBS has ordered 13 episodes of the show for its 2018 and 2019 season. Diane English created the original series that starred Candace Bergen as a hard-charging TV journalist. English will return as writer and executive producer for the reboot. Bergen, who won multiple lead actress Emmys for the original, will be an executive producer, and the 71-year-old will also reprise her role. The series addressed hot-button social and political issues, drawing applause and the ire of critics, including then-Vice President Dan Quayle, which they actually worked into the show. In a recent speech, Vice President Quayle used me as an example of the poverty of values in this country and implied that I was a poor role model for our nation's youth. While some might argue that attacking my status as a single mother was nothing more than a cynical bit of election year posturing, I prefer to give the Vice President the benefit of the doubt. Murphy Brown ran for 10 seasons from 1988 to 1998, and now it becomes the latest in a growing list of TV shows being jump-started from the grave. No word yet on whether any of the other cast will return. Elaine, Elaine, it's Kramer! Kramer's on Murphy Brown! (laughs) Kramer's on Murphy Brown! There he is, he's sitting at the desk! Hi, I'm Murphy Brown. You must be my new secretary. Good morning, uh, Miss Brown. I'm uh, Stephen Snell. Snell. Well, hello, Mr. Snell. Stephen. I know people, and I have a very good feeling about you. In a world consumed by breaking news, one man has the focus to cut through the... The president's losing a Twitter fight to Jewel. HBO debuted a trailer this week for season five of the Emmy-winning Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. To cut through the... ISIS won Powerball? Who sold them a ticket? The show starring an angry little British man is a weekly news-oriented comedy series, much like the show John Oliver was on previously, The Daily Show. Takes a satirical look at what's going on in the world. To cut through... Where are kittens even getting opioids? Oh, he did the accent. It's much more racist if he did the accent. A chipmunk attacked a synagogue, and he knew it was a synagogue. Last year, Last Week Tonight got four Emmys, including Outstanding Variety Talk Series, which it also won in 2016. John Oliver is back to put aside distractions and get to the bottom of... Wait, Harambee again? I I literally don't understand how that's possible. Did he come back? And then they got him again? 
Was the same kid involved? Each season runs for typically 30 weeks-ish. Then he takes a break from November to February. Season 5 of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver debuts on HBO Sunday, February 18th. Last Week Tonight with John... This one just says run. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Returns Sunday, February 18th on HBO. This got lost in the shuffle a couple of weeks ago, apparently. The trailer for the new Clint Eastwood movie opening next month. It's called The 1517 to Paris. There you go. Thank you. Look at the baby soda, Spencer. Alex, shut the heck up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story about three American soldiers on vacation in Europe. They're on a train headed for Paris when... Terrorists try to take over. These three fellows, Spencer Stone, Anthony Sadler, and Alex Scarlatos, stopped the attack and were lauded as heroes. You may remember the story from the news. The cool thing about the movie is, these guys play themselves. I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just pushing us towards something? Like some greater purpose? Director Clint Eastwood has some stones to let three non-actors star in his movie, but he's at a point where he's got nothing to lose, so why not? Besides the action on the train, the movie has all sorts of flashbacks by the looks of things, including the guys as kids, their home lives, their time in action and war, and other parts of the vacation they were on at the time. It looks cool. Hopefully they're good natural actors. We'll find out when the 1517 to Paris opens February 9th. Shortcuts. Do what you know is right. We've been chosen for this great work. I have never felt closer to my mom. In the exact same place that she was all those years ago. Only this time we know who the father is. You're pregnant. Yeah. A new trailer debuted this week for Mamma Mia! Here We Go Again, a follow-up to the smash hit film from 2008. It's been 10 years already since that first Mamma Mia. That film was based on the musical of the same name, which is set to the songs of ABBA. It made over $600 million worldwide, so now they're going back to the well. Time has been most cruel to you, sir. <clears throat> In your case, age becomes you, as it does the tree, the wine, and cheese. <laughs> the first movie starred Meryl Streep as Donna and Amanda Seyfried as Sophie, Donna's daughter. Pierce Brosnan was in it too, Stellan Skarsgård and Colin Firth. Those three guys played the possible fathers of Sophie. Everyone is coming back to reprise their roles, and we'll also see some fresh faces since this sequel takes us back to when Donna was young. Young Donna will be played by Lily James. I was cheated by you. I'm Belle. And I I'm Donna. You know when. The world is wide. So I, I want to make some memories. It must come to Can me. I help? Look at me now. She's missing her man. Will I ever Which one? But I suddenly lose We only just met. And you're not that kind of girl? Absolutely not. Usually. Donna got around. The first Mamma Mia was not a huge hit with everyone. 
Even though it did great at the box office, bit of a dud with critics, scoring only 54%. So curious to see how the follow-up's gonna do. You can't tell anybody about the baby yet. I just told Bill. Yeah, and I told Harry. I told many, many people. Mamma Mia, here we go again, debuts July 20th. Oh, and it co-stars Cher. Mamma Mia, here I go again. Let's get the party started. Grandma, you weren't invited. That's the best kind of party, little girl. I should not have let you go. Betty. Ethan, where are you? The syndicate is real. A rogue nation trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. They're coming after us with everything they've got. You ready? This may very well be our last mission. Let's make it count. Well, that was not their last mission after all in Rogue Nation, but this next one might be. For the past few months or a year, we've heard the occasional story of famed stuntman and part-time actor Tom Cruise injuring himself on the set of Mission Impossible 6, which is due out later this year. This week, they announced the title of the movie. Mission Accomplished. No, not yet. One day they should call it Mission Accomplished. This one will be called Mission Impossible Fallout. It follows Rogue Nation from 2015 and Ghost Protocol from 2014. Cruise has been making these puppies since 1996, and the success rate has been terrific. I think they're all fantastic, except for the second one, which made me a little John Woozy, and it had a terrible oh. villain. Yeah, nice, eh? Yeah, good wordplay. Like I said, Cruise fancies himself the stuntman. The picture they sent with the title announcement this week was Cruise hanging onto the side of a helicopter in midair, which he undoubtedly did himself last time it was an airplane. He hurt himself badly during production, leaping across rooftops. They actually had to shutter production for a while. But it looks like they got their movie in the end. I can't wait to see it. Old regulars will return. While Henry Cavill and Angela Bassett are new to the fun this time around, Mission Impossible Fallout hits theaters July 27th. You actually said that out loud. Mission accomplished. I said it. I'm still corny, Ethan. Which movie is that one from? That's from Ghost Protocol, the fourth one. Oh, okay. This will be the sixth one. I don't remember that scene at all. It's I guess I'll just have to watch it again. It's the very end. <laughs> I have that. that Ghost Protocol is my favorite. Was Rogue Nation your favorite? No, it's still Ghost Protocol. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one where he's up the top of the building in uh, Dubai there. And that's insane. Yeah, that was one of the best things I think I've ever seen on a big screen. And actually, that was one of the first, I think it may have actually been the first digital uh, screening I had watched. Oh, really? so everything was crystal clear. Yeah, yeah. And then, it, of course, it was on the IMAX, so it was even bigger. Yeah, that was wild. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video. Some wonderful things. In waiting, you're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Hi, you don't have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. You don't have to pretend is all I'm saying. Augie! Okay, I'm really sorry. Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. I'm Brett McGarry, he's Jeff Braun. We are the Couch Potatoes, having a look at what is coming to home video this upcoming week. And Jeff, that is a clip from, uh, I think it's a prize hit. Yeah, Wonder. It did a phenomenal box office. I don't know exactly how much it did. You'll quickly look it up here while we're talking, I'm sure. Uh, it stars Jacob Tremblay, a Vancouver wunderkind, who was in the movie uh, Room, not The Room, just Room, a couple years ago. Also starring Julia Roberts and the butterscotch stallion Owen Wilson as his parents. <laughs> and he uh, plays a kid, like uh, not unlike the boy in Mask, who... Uh, 
has had a lot of plastic surgery done and he you know he does he looks different and the kids bug him and it's just a hard way to grow up but it's a apparently a heartwarming uh, family tale yeah it's uh made 130 million dollars domestically well exceeding expectations i think yep. it's expect i don't know probably i think it was in the 50 million or 60 million i can't remember sure. and then uh, worldwide total 251 million this is based on a book that a lot of kids are reading in school right now i think in around grade four grade five so cool there's a chance if you have kids maybe your kids have read this book or maybe you you've go. read it too with them so that's on digital hd on tuesday along with uh, roman j israel esquire starring oscar nominated denzel washington and uh, that thing did not do well at the box office and it didn't really get the reviews weren't very good for it either i guess denzel's good in it but uh, it's uh, he plays a lawyer the butterscotch stallion what's that from I don't know. I've, every time I say it now, I sort of think that my friend Joel just made it up. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It makes me laugh. I don't Let's know. find out here. Uh, or is it a reference? Uh, well, there's, a, there's an article from like 10 years ago that says, is it okay to call, 12 years ago, is it okay to call Owen Wilson the butterscotch stallion? <laughs> so uh, somebody said it. Somebody must have referred to him as that in a movie. Yeah. And uh, let's see here. There's a, there's a, oh, there's an Urban Dictionary entry. Hang on. This could be bad. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just a nickname given to Owen Wilson by a gossip column reader. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. It's stuck in some corners. Okay. <laughs> including ours. <laughs> okay. So that's Digital HD on Blu-ray DVD on Tuesday. We have a uh, season five of Ray Donovan. That's a show you watch. Although oddly enough... I still have seven episodes of season five stuck on my PVR that I just have not been compelled to watch. I think I should just get rid of it. Okay, there you go. And also the other Wonder movie, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. That's about the guy that uh, created Wonder Woman. So there were three Wonder movies last year. There were uh, well, Okay, there was Wonder Woman. The actual Wonder Woman movie. Wonder. Wonder. And then... uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Yep. I think there was a movie called Wonder Wheel. Yes, a Woody Allen movie. And I think there might have been another one. Hang on, was there a Wonderlust? I know there's a Wanderlust. That's from a few years back. Uh, yeah. And it's very funny. No, there was, okay, there was, I, I thought there was a fifth Wonder movie. But still. Maybe, still, four, that's way too many. <laughs> what? Is, I don't get, like, Hollywood latches on to these buzzwords, like, yeah. uh... Rise. You're still seeing, you know, the rise of the planet of the apes, and there was the Dark Knight Rises. Now yep. you've got Pacific Rim Uprising, which a uh, new trailer for that came out this week, by the way. Um, like, are there no other words in the vocabulary? <laughs> I guess not. They know they do. Uh, they got focus groups and stuff, and they see what well, grabs an eye, I guess, or whatever. Oh, you see the word wonder while you're looking at the listings at the theater. Let's go see that. Okay, that's a fair theory, and sure. you're probably right. Hey, uh, something that caught your eye. Of course, involves one of your uh, favorite guys of all time. Dave Letterman's back. I had a show for a long time, and then I didn't have a show for a long time. And I can't tell you how great it is to be out of the damn house. Wow. You never know when you might learn something. And that's what this is about for me. These are people that I admire. Please welcome my next guest. 
Dave Letterman's Netflix show debuted a couple weeks ago. It's called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. It's just an hour of Dave sitting and talking with someone. Uh, There's one episode out now, and his guest is Barack Obama. They chat for an hour. There are a few cutaways as Dave does a road interview that relates to what he and Obama are talking about. But by and large, it's just two guys talking in a small theater filled with people. There are a few laughs along the way, of course, and don't get me wrong, it's an engaging conversation. But if what you're looking for is a lot of comedy, you're barking up the wrong tree. There will be six episodes, one released every month in what has to be Netflix's weirdest distribution model to date. The lineup includes George Clooney, Malala, Jay-Z, Tina Fey, Howard Stern, and as I mentioned, uh, Obama. So there you go. Nice to get a little bit of Dave, not quite the Dave we know. Now you say that it was, uh, if you're looking for a lot of comedy, barking up the wrong tree, when you realized that was the case, were you disappointed by that? No, I sort of knew that going in. And like, and this conversation with Obama was engaging enough that it was fine. And you watch David Letterman pretty much from for forever, right? Yeah, from as soon as I was old enough to stay up that late or realize, hey, I could record it on the VCR when I'm asleep and then watch it after <laughs> school the next day, that sort of thing. So yeah, since the late 80s anyways. And uh, do you watch any late night talk, talk shows now at this nope, point? not really. Yeah? No, I just sort of went off it. I think if I watch anything, it would be Seth Meyer. Yeah? And the, well, the John Oliver, I'll watch that every now and then because- that guy's funny. Yeah. But Monday to Friday, late night, nah, not so much. Okay. Up next, Jeff is going to tell you what he thought about Phantom Thread. We'll talk Oscars, and I'll tell you that I finally watched Big Little Lies, and it is awesome. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. The road to the Oscars starts now. The nominations came out this week, and for Best Picture, the nominees are... If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? Reynolds has made my dreams come true. And I have given him what he desires most in return. And what's that? Every piece of me. Now, sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Germans have encircled 60 British and French divisions. We are looking at the collapse of Western Europe within the next few days. You can practically see it from here. What? Home. We would need a miracle to get our men out. The White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30 years. I can show you around. The way they lied. That'd be great. Those days have to be over. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. Would you stop interrupting me while I am interrupting you? Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. If I told you about her, what would I say? I wonder. The nine nominees for Best Picture, and uh, by they are Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Um, any early thoughts on what might win? How many of these have you seen, Brett? I have only seen two, as is typical by the time these uh, nominations come out. I'm actually surprised that I've seen two, because I'm pretty sure there have been years where I've seen none of them. Yeah. I have seen Get Out, and I saw Dunkirk. 
but I've not seen the rest, and I, I'm trying to compel myself to get up and actually go to a movie theater, <laughs> but instead I just stay, inevitably stay home and watch more TV, yeah. which I'll tell you about in our next segment, right uh, because I, I haven't been wasting my time on garbage, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen two. You've seen six, right? I've uh, Now I've seen six. I had seen Get Out and Dunkirk like you, as well as Lady Bird, The Post, The Shape of Water. I like them all a lot, and this week... I went and saw Phantom Thread, with, which just opened in the past week, and I'll tell you about that now. Why are you not married? I make dresses. <laughs> you cannot be married when you make dresses. I'm certain I was never meant to marry. I'm a confirmed bachelor. I'm incurable. Well, we'll see about that. That's Daniel Day-Lewis and Vicky Cripps in the Oscar-nominated Phantom Thread from director Paul Thomas Anderson. That clip sort of actually tees up quite a bit. It's a movie about a very, very set-in-his-ways dressmaker who meets a young woman who falls for him and he for her, and it's about their relationship. It is not a complicated plot, but it is a complex story as we watch their relationship progress. We sort of learn about him as she does and how his, shall we say, eccentricities will affect them as a couple. Sometimes... They're funny. Sometimes they are not. My girlfriend leaned over to me a couple of times during the film and said, try that on me and I'm gone. Uh, the movie set in England in the 1950s. DDL plays Reynolds Woodcock, which is a very Paul Thomas Anderson type name. Reynolds with an S for a first name. Have you ever heard that before? No. Me neither. He made that up. Uh, he's a preeminent dressmaker. Most of his clients actually appear to be royalty. A wedding dress for a Belgian princess figures prominently in the story. Cripps plays Alma, a waitress he meets one week one weekend. She becomes a model for him and wants to be a whole lot more, but cracking into his heart is tougher than it seems. Leslie Manville plays his sister and closest confidant, and she is terrific in this movie. More than once, she has to get rid of a girlfriend of his, and she is very much her brother's keeper. He cannot bear the sound of something like scraping a knife across toast at breakfast. That ruins his whole day, so as you can imagine, he is not an easy person to live with. But Alma has her wiles as well and comes up with a plan that I wouldn't really even know how to explain if I wanted to, but I don't want to try to explain it because it would be a spoiler. I sort of got the feeling that Paul Thomas Anderson, who also wrote the screenplay, must have been sitting at his desk thinking, can I really end the movie this way? That's crazy. Ah, oh, what the heck, I'm going to go for it. And I'm glad he did, because it is one of the most intriguing endings I've ever seen. There is much to discuss afterwards, which is always a good sign. I also want to point out, the advertising sort of makes this look like it's more menacing than it really is, because the movie is, it's really funny. And it's also pretty straightforward, even though there's some hoity-toity talk and it's got a European vibe, it's also an accessible movie. I was expecting it to be way weirder. PTA's movie The Master a few years back baffled me, although I hear that's better on second viewing, but it baffled me enough I didn't even watch his last movie, Inherent Vice. Um, his last outing with Daniel Day-Lewis was, of course, There Will Be Blood, and maybe that played into my expectations of Menace as well. Daniel Day-Lewis, by the way, I think he's weirdly underrated right now. He should be getting a lot more headlines for this performance. It isn't showy like his Daniel Plainview or Bill the Butcher or even Abe Lincoln, but he is still a beast of an actor. He's got maybe the strongest screen 
screen presence of anyone I've ever seen. It's really quite amazing. But again, the Oscar likely still going to go to Gary Oldman because, hey, shouting as Winston Churchill is catnip to Oscar voters. But DDL, I think, deserves a fourth statue. Um, Phantom Thread nominated for six Oscars altogether. Like I said, DDL, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress for Manville, the costume design, and the music, the score once again by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead fame. I could see the costume design actually winning because of the dresses. Otherwise, I'm sorry to say I don't think there's enough heat surrounding this film in general. And my only complaint, and it's very minor, is that a few of the early scenes seem to drag a bit. But uh, Paul Thomas Anderson likes long shots. He likes long takes and letting stuff breathe. At least now he does, because... He made Boogie Nights of Magnolia, and those were very fast-paced movies, if I recall correctly. Um, if you didn't know better, you'd never guess this was made by the same guy that made those. He's had quite a career already. He's only in his mid-40s, so there should be plenty of good stuff ahead from Paul Thomas Anderson. And I will give Phantom Thread four and a half Couch Cushions out of five. Johnny Greenwood, did he He did the score for There Will Be Blood, did yeah. he not? Does he do all of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies now? Or? I don't know. I... I th- I looked it up and I can't remember. No, you know what I looked up is he's, I think he was Oscar nominated for There Will Be Blood. I don't know if he's done, I think he did The Master as well. I didn't see Inherent Vice. That was a 70s cop thing that might have actually had like songs in it. Okay. Ah, well, I'm, I can Google that and look yeah. that up, but I don't, I don't really care all that much because I don't like Radiohead. But I did like the. <laughs> I don't either. So. <laughs> I did like, love the score for There Will Be, Be Blood. It was chilling. So I'm and looking this forward. Yeah, this one's got a lot of plinky piano music. Was actually, it's very fitting. It's nice. Oh, cool. Well, you know what? I, I, I wasn't really sure about this movie. No, but me based neither. on this review, I think I'll have to go check it out. Yeah. And I am, we, we, we st- have lots of time. The, the, uh, the Oscars are held on what, March 4th? Yeah. And yeah, and Get Out and Dunkirk, uh, those are already long on DVD. That, so you can get those or you can rent them off your cable, whatever you got going for you. And Lady Bird, that's, I think that's coming out on DVD, I think in February, maybe in March, but it's still in theaters as well. Cool. I, and honestly, I think of all these, I, I always, I want to say The Shape of Water just because I'm a Guillermo del Toro fan and I like so much, th- so much about that movie, except. There's something about Lady Bird that I keep coming back to that. I think that's my favorite of the bunch so far. Well, The Shape of Water is that has the most nominations with 13, right? Yeah. But I think Three Billboards at least has some serious momentum having won at the Globes and then uh, the big award at the Screen Actors Guild. But The Shape of Water won the Producers Guild one, which oh. they say is the best harbinger of best picture. But, like, yeah, it didn't win the SAG. The director... Of Three Billboards is not nominated for an Oscar. Correct. And that's rarely a good sign, although Argo won like that, right? But then, you know, yeah, at the Golden Globes, Guillermo won the director one, but then Three Billboards won the actual Best Picture one. So there's, you know, a case could be made for either of those movies right now. Because the year before last, it was The Revenant was the front runner. Yes. And then Spotlight ended up winning. Yeah, that was a shocker. Yeah. I thought for sure The Revenant was going to demolish everything. So both times, it's two little movies... With Moonlight and La La Land, right? Taking over something that's sort of grander in scope. Okay. Up next, I'll tell you about Big Little Lies. My goodness, it's so good. Better late than never, as I said earlier. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And this week, I finally, finally watched HBO's Big Little Lies. Are you new to Monterey? Yeah, we just moved here a few weeks ago. You're going to love it. You're so nice. This is Monterey. We pound people with knives (laughs) to death. If you have a subscription to HBO, you should be able to watch Big Little Lies On Demand. Check with your cable provider, though. I'm on Shaw, 
I can just pull up the app on my phone, order the episode, and voila, it is at my disposal on my PVR. Big Little Lies is based on a novel of the same name from 2014, which was written by Leanne Moriarty. When I first saw the promo for this on HBO, I saw Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, and Laura Dern all in one place. That's an all-star cast, and then you add Shailene Woodley, Zoe Kravitz, Alexander Skarsgård, and Adam Scott. Wow, that's some serious star power for this limited series. Only seven episodes. It debuted back in February. For some reason, I thought it was in the summer, but it's been since February. And I remember thinking, well, geez, I have to watch that with all that talent. It's only seven episodes. It's getting great reviews. No problem. But then I didn't watch it. Why? No idea. It went on to win tons of awards, much like The Handmaid's Tale. I recorded it, and then I didn't watch it. Then it went on to win a bunch of awards, so I caught up in The Handmaid's Tale on Crave TV with Big Little Lies. I think I was just so far behind in all the established shows that I was already watching that eventually I just deleted it from my PVR. That's what happened. I think in the summertime I finally deleted it from my PVR, and then a couple weeks later it won eight Emmy Awards or something like that. And then it eventually cleaned up at the Golden Globes. And then it won more trophies at the Screen Actors Guild Awards last week. So I said, fine, I'll watch it already. And holy mackerel, you can believe the hype with this show. What's it about? Big Little Lies. The show opens with murder. Someone is dead. We don't know who is dead because they don't reveal it until the seventh episode. And we don't know who done it. From there, it's almost entirely flashbacks. The show is set in Monterey, California and has gorgeous cinematography. It's a town of about 30,000 people, mostly rich people, like the bulk of the characters that we meet, although we are introduced to this world through Jane, who is not rich, she's just a normal person. She's played by Shailene Woodley, and her son is played by a kid named Ian Armitage, and I thought, man, he looks familiar. Turns out, he's the kid who plays young Sheldon on that Big Bang Theory spinoff, so even the kids are phenomenal actors on this show. Jane meets Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, and then we eventually meet Laura Dern, who turns out it's Reese Witherspoon's arch nemesis, at least one of her nemeses. The other one is Zoe Kravitz, who is with her ex-husband. My goodness, the drama. And this is truly one of the best acted shows you will find anywhere. And it just has really sharp dialogue. It was a real joy and treat to watch these actors perform for us. And Nicole Kidman, and maybe I shouldn't say joy in the case of Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård, they have won the bulk of the awards for their portrayal of a complicated and violent couple. That's all I can really say, but some of the things you see from them is truly shocking and, quite frankly, hard to watch. The show does a lot of creative things with its editing, the way it drops in these little flashbacks and clues, other scenes that may or not even be real. Memory? or perhaps just fantasy. It becomes more clear as the show moves along. And by the end, when it gets to the payoff, so intense, it was a truly gratifying, emotional payoff. The only thing I did not like about Big Little Eyes is they drop in clips from police interviews of various townsfolk talking about the main characters. And it serves the story and the mystery in that first episode. But as the season moves along, it just gets more annoying because at first it's kind of cheeky. You know, right? It, it, it seems like no one likes anyone in this town where everyone pretends to be perfect and like everyone. So it's kind of funny at first, but then as the series becomes more serious, the interview clips don't, so they just seem kind of out of place. But that's it. I loved this series. Kind of want to watch it again. 
you should watch it too. Again, if you have an HBO subscription, you should be able to watch it on demand. Oh, and Meryl Streep is coming aboard for season two. As if they didn't have enough big stars already. Season two, by the way, will likely be in 2019. It was never intended to have a second season, just like The Handmaid's Tale. But it was such a success, everyone wants to come back for more. So you should watch Big Little Lies. I will give it as a season four and a half couch cushions out of five. I've been keeping up with my PVR more or less. It's afforded me the chance to start tackling my list. The list, of course, the growing number of shows I've wanted to watch, haven't had the time. I recently crushed all four seasons of BoJack Horseman. That's the Netflix cartoon about a washed-up actor who happens to be a horse trying to keep his life on the rails in Hollywood. It's got sex, drugs, and cursing. Half the characters are animals who walk upright. Half the other characters are people. It's very funny, even more clever in its storytelling and more than a little touching at times. This past week, I binged another Netflix cartoon with all those same characteristics. It's called Big Mouth, starring comedians Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, and it's about a group of 13-year-old kids going through puberty. Remember that girl from camp that I told you about, Roland? Oh yeah, Roland. I was picturing an older man named Roland. Right. No, I didn't kiss an older man at camp. The heart wants what it wants. Anyway, she texted me last night, quote, come into the city tomorrow, we should hang out, and whatevs. Ooh. Do you know what whatevs means, Andrew? Short for whatever. No, I think whatevs implies that she wants to make out. Making out with a city girl, wow. Andrew, we are going to New York. Me? Or I'm sorry, is there a, a fun person behind me? It took me a lot of time sifting through clips to find those 28 clean seconds of dialogue. The boys are visited often by the hormone monster who gives them terrible advice. There's much embarrassment, much talk of the habits surrounding being master of one's domain, all the coming-of-age stuff kids go through, and not just the boys either. The girls have their own hormone monster, voiced by Maya Rudolph in a performance that had me howling, and they also have their own are you there, God, it's me, Margaret kind of issues to deal with. Again, I can't stress this enough, as hilarious and sweet as it is, Big Mouth is very, very foul mouth and visually graphic for a cartoon. It is not for everyone, but I loved it. Ten eps available now. Can't wait for more. Also started watching that David Fincher show, Mindhunter, about the FBI agents in the 70s. I really dug it, and uh, I'm two episodes in. I'm going to keep going with that. So far, so good. That's where they're investigating serial killers and sort of studying the the psychology. I guess it's kind of the introduction of adding psychology and criminal profiling into the mix. Yeah, I think so, because I'm two episodes in, and I was like, is this just what the show is? Just talking like this? Or I don't know if there's what it's going to all lead to yet, but I'm in. I watched the first episode, really liked it. I love David Fincher's stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I just, that was when I, I watched three episodes of net, different Netflix shows. I watched an episode of Mindhunter, Ozark, and then that German show, Dark. So I was hooked by Ozark and Dark. Mindhunter, I really liked it, but I kind of yeah. put a pin in that one. Now I need to get back to I think to I it. do like the model of watching a couple episodes of three different shows in one night instead of binging the same show all the time. Just mix it up a bit. It's more fun. Yeah. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. February movie preview next week. Get our podcast on Google Play and on iTunes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.